Okay, you guys, today's uh, podcast. First off, we're going to kick off with talking about some training techniques. I want to talk about the split squat a little bit and how that can help you uh, grow your practice. I've also found a new favorite drink that piggybacks a little bit on last week's episode talking about uh, food is medicine. And then we're going to answer the question of how do you build the best friend circle for getting better at training and really just in life. Let's get started. So, <laughs> so that Start was an intro. That you, was you, intro. You're having a, a love affair with split squats. With split squats, so exactly. Explain that. So, um, in doing some training for uh, just improving uh, mobility and strength, I've always found that mobility and flexibility is not just, it's basically insurance, right? But it's, but the range of motion also opens up opportunities and doors. And a lot of people who are very powerful athletes and strong athletes are limited in what they can do and also the way they look when they do it based off of their mobility, meaning they can't get full extension. I think a perfect example, this is like a butterfly kick or even a broad jump to some degree too, because if you open, uh, if you do a butterfly kick, and the legs can't get up, a lot of times it looks like an aerial. If the anterior is not mobile enough, if there's not flexibility in the front of your body. When you do a broad jump, you have to open all the way that global flexion and extension also contributes to your ability to broad jump. But if you're really tight, you know, sometimes you get more power out of it, but you could have the best of both worlds. You could be powerful and have extra range of motion in the anterior, which is the front of the body. Okay, so I guess what I'm saying is that it's not just, flexibility is not just something that you use for your Instagram pictures, and it's not just insurance alone to avoid injury, um, because actually if you're really flexible, but you're not strong, you can get, you can get injured. Yeah, the opposite problem. Yeah. Right, right. Have you ever trained anybody like that or trained with anybody like that? Quite a few, yeah. I mean, we have tons of people that come in that like, um, by either the gift or like curse of genetics, they come in and they're super mobile, but like rail thin because they like just have like a high metabolism, but they've, you know, sat at a desk or whatever, or like, yeah. they're just like feral children that have mm-hmm. never had like enough nutrients to actually like thicken <laughs> up, you know, <laughs> you get those kids that come in, um, and adults sometimes come in like that. Typically you see it more often in women than you do in men. Yeah, where you have like the exact reason for that, but you tend to see more hypermobile women than you do men. So there could be a couple reasons for that. One is that you know it strength training isn't it's it's just now really becoming popular and permissible. It seems like in a lot of ways for uh, for more women and women are more drawn to it. But I think that you end up with a lot of uh, younger kids who are female who have already sort of been through the gymnastic circuit. Yeah. And so they were pushed through a lot of that already. They've, they, they're, but they're done tasting that much, you know, bitter in their training and they want to do something fun, but they come in with some of this, these, these prerequisites of, of uh, flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and with those, those sort of hypermobile people, you, or flexible people, you tend to see like people who can drop into the splits, but if you ask them to hold any degree of isometric split, they can't. So it's like, don't go all the way down, go halfway, but they can't hold that. They can drop all the way down, but they can't yeah. actually stay in like a, a middle split or something like that um, at you know, off the ground. So it limits what they can do. These people are really awesome at aerials and Webster's though. I will say that. 
They're really flexible in that way. It's because they can get upside down before they leave the ground. Yep. Practically. Right? They're, uh, they're in <laughs> the They're splits. halfway done with the movement before <laughs> they leave the ground. They're upside down. They're half the time. So I really have noticed a benefit in that. I also think that people have really good... Um, uh, the anterior, like the hips and the quads, and, and and actually some of the back too as well, just do a really good job with butterfly kicks. I always I always admire people of that natural, like flexible anterior because they can their butterfly kicks always look like their chest is flat, but their like legs kick like straight up off the ground. I think they make really um, good butterfly. Tony has a really good butterfly kick like that. He does. just like has spent no time doing wushu, which is really where <laughs> butterfly kicks come from. And then just has like an awesome, uh, like that almost like a J in the in the way that the body shapes in the in the butterfly kicks. So the so I like those. And then also people who are really strong but also mobile in um, in jumping, seeing people open up in strides. I think strides are a good example of this because if your legs reach all the way back. Um, you have the knee raised in the front front of the stride and the back like the hip if the hip is open enough You can get those very gazelle looking strides, right? Um, and whether they are the most effective or not they uh, to me are the most gorgeous So you're saying <clears throat> You like the split squat To train for that sort of like mobility. Yeah, I think that it's underrated and Recently I've been going through some programming now. I've trained the split squat in the form of the bow stance, essentially, in wushu and parkour, and then the drop stance, or the what's called pubu and gongbu. Like, these two techniques were in my early training for wushu, but they were never loaded. So recently, and here's where I'm gonna, I threw caution to the wind, and here's where I'm gonna bring this up, is recently I trained them loaded, <coughs> excuse me, and that, I think, I just went kind of like, really hard, and decided I'm gonna get underweight, because I knew I could do these stances, like, when I, did, when I started doing some b-boy and stuff, I can do the little like hops like down in full squat. It was no big deal. Um, and even do single leg pistols. Like my unbroken, I think for me, pistols, unbroken, like I could do like over 40. And I even train them, train them with the, uh, that's with no hands. And I even train them sometimes with the BFR, the, yep. the blood flow restriction yeah. straps, right? That we've talked about in the past and can usually do pretty well. So I thought I'm ready to rock with this. But it turns out that I put them under load in the way that, with, that I was training them with the foot completely flat instead of being on the ball of the foot in full, in sort of full extension forward um, or leaning for the more forward lean in my split squat. Uh, I went under load to train that and then they got really angry. Like I think it's the first time my, my knees have responded so, so yeah, so explain for, well for me and for anybody like listening what because split squat did comes in a wide variety Absolutely. Of, of changes, right? Like you have your Bulgarian split squat, you yep. have like your Texas split squat, traditional split squat, like so this, heel elevated. This one that I'm working on is the is the knees over toes split squat, which I got from those knees over toes guys. And where this one is important is that um, you are you're looking for that femur to be parallel to the ground, so like the lead leg and the hip has to be closed. So the hips closed, you're on the ball of foot with your back leg, that, that leg is locked out. So the quad is, is locked out on the rear leg straight and you're on the okay. ball of foot. Hips are squared and then you're going forward onto the ball of foot and eventually as the ankle range of motion gets better, you might have your heel on the ground, but you're really going onto the ball of foot of the, of the leg that's in front and then you're letting the knee go over the toe 
and then you're letting in, you're going all the way down to where the calf is touching the quad. So there, it's completely down and then forwards enough that the femur is parallel to the ground, meaning it's straight. So oftentimes we so see the, people- The angle of the squat goes from, essentially from like your belly button through your toes, right? At almost a diagonal. Yeah. Uh, like where, yeah, is, if where is the mean, like actuation of the squat itself? If like, you're in a, like a Bulgarian split squat, it's straight up and down, right? You're you usually you have your back foot elevated. Yes. And you're moving straight up and down. You're moving straight up and down. And then like a Texas split squat, you're moving forward. So you're the, saying in this one, it's almost yeah. There's no step in this I one, see. although you could step into it. You stand with your feet straddle, and then you go down into it, and. Normally we don't do this, but I'm going to demo and then you can articulate it. <laughs> so if I'm here. Okay, for those listening. Shoulders are square. on the ground. Back leg is heels off the ground, right? Cool. And then the front the front leg is starting with the foot flat. And then as you see here, I'm locked out the back quad. The back quad's locked out and that's different. So that's something to pay attention to. I'm gonna, almost going to hit the mic as I go down here. We'll see if the mic captures my knees cracking. Oh, look at that. Look at that. No. So this would be it. What? Yep. One little applause, a single applause for my, for my, for my joints. Um, but see, I'm on the ball of the foot here and then the femur straight like that instead of being back like this Yeah. and letting the knee bend here, they're locked out and I'm forward like that. So you're trying to hit full like ankle dorsiflexion yep. at the bottom of the squat. Yep. And then call Almost you can- both ankles. You could move the camera down just a little bit in case somebody on YouTube. You guys watch the YouTube videos. You can actually see us and our shenanigans here. Come on, let's make sure this position is in. And I'm not warmed up for this. Yeah. Good? Beautiful. Cool. And then we push back up, right? Hold it there. Boom. There, like that. And that, and and no no pain, no knee discomfort, nothing like that. So I've, I, actually, I actually love that split squat, but... I can, and I can do now do that one under load. I didn't. I've been training it for maybe three months straight. For those those wanting to add that into their training, what what do you think would be a recommended volume or capacity that you should start with? That's an excellent question because because when I started, I already had the mobility, and I thought that I could handle the load at that range of motion in that position, which I'm almost never in, I guess. Um, and I have a good like heels, I already have a good squat. Like I have the like feet flat on the ground, torso upright, um, squat on the ground. I would say you want to take the a something like 12 inches off the ground. And this was the earliest progression that I learned, which I had to, which I went back to. And I would pull, put that 12 inches off the ground, like a little like box or something. And then and do it there without weight for sets of like 10. So 12 inch box on the front foot? Yeah, on the front okay. foot. Two inch squat on the front foot, focus on locking out the rear quad, um, and then focus on having stability. And if you have to go ahead and put your arm like by a, on something to help you balance or whatnot, just so you don't fall out of that, that good position with your knee, um, that's, that's what I'd recommend. And then, and then the real limiting factor, which is very interesting on the ground was actually my back hip flexor. So my limiting factor that put my put my stuff in a most more compromised position was actually my inability to keep my torso upright because my my the offside hip so the straight leg hip was very tight and so I couldn't keep the quad so that would just push everything forward and and generally that's what I found to be more difficult so that's also good for stretching the interior of the offside hip as well 
which I think is highly neglected. Yeah. Well, just thinking about the movement right now and not having done it, I think that would be my issue as well. Yep. And then so I think the couch, the couch stretch and, and uh, again, bow stance, um, split squats where you're actively flexing the rear um, leg to keep it straight, opening to open up that hip flexor, especially as jumpers and kickers. That gets and sitters, <laughs> yep. just because we're in modern times. That you need to open up the the frontal's hip. Some people are lucky and they just have it. There are some people who just naturally are flexible and that on that or whatever they've done has not destroyed it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's 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 what I've been working on for the training. I think that's a technique that if everybody can master, with you know they can do a lot to um, sort of build strength. And this is strength through the VMO. This is that's that um, teardrop. Um, muscle above up, that shows above the knee as part of the quad. So that's that's where um, that's where you need to get strong, and that's kind of hot right now too. I've seen a couple people, other people posting about it online, um, the VMO and this split squat. But I would say that variation I like, and not adding in anything crazy because it's such a great control for the experiment of the knee. I think it's worth saying too as we move on to like our our primary topic too that like if you're suffering from knee pain, um, but none of us are doctors. So we're not giving any medical advice here, but as like athletes, we've all experienced like knee pain of some capacity. And most of the time, knee pain is caused by some sort of imbalance, um, whether that's a mobility imbalance or a muscular imbalance. And I would argue more often than not, it's a muscular imbalance because we don't often train that VMO specifically or the quad in that capacity, Mm -hmm. right? But we still go upstairs, we go down the stairs and like, you're not, or you run, um, you sprint, you you know you climb, and you're very often not flat-footed. Mm-hmm. So even though you may be doing like front squats, you may even be doing some split squats, but you're not doing them with the heel elevated. You're not targeting you know that that f- part of the knee on the quad. You're typically targeting up higher. You know when you're doing like front squats and things of that nature. So um, experiment a little bit with like a heel elevated on your split squats, and you'll notice that. It shifts from from higher up on the body, superior on that femur where you're like by the hip, and it'll slide closer down towards the knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and starts, you know, like you were saying with the split squat, start small, start easy, start unweighted, don't go loaded. Um, Just but give that, that a shot, it. and I think you'll find that for a lot of you, um, that knee pain is going to start to ease up on you, um, and that will save you a very expensive doctor's visit. Yeah, if it does still hurt you, or if it just concerns you, um, I think it's worth saying now and for always just go see the doctor if something concerns you it's just not worth it yeah. that being said you have a lot of tools at your disposal if you're willing to do the research and look into it um yeah and that's always an option and it and i think uh, uh yeah, just raising that front leg and not going so hard especially if you have the hip flexor in the back that's a problem the raising that back for that front leg is going to take off a lot of the um, difficulty of the technique if you have really tight if your hip flexor is really tight on the offside leg as well cool so yeah anybody who's tried really hard has probably had from now and again ran into some knee mm-hmm. <laughs> thing. Uh, I, I guarantee you there's going to be some overuse injury on parkour athletes because there's an obsession with sticking something on a rail and you're just stopping your feet and, and what position do we stick our yeah the with rail heels, heels are most certainly raised yeah so right, yeah and this, I mean, that's just so much force, and you're sticking it for an aesthetic reason. It's not, it's not a, uh, uh, it's, it's not beneficial. You're ending the movement, right? This is the end of your line, usually on a stick. So, 
Yeah, there are some applications, like if you're at height, a stick really matters, but... <laughs> but you just don't, I mean, you just don't see other animals, like, when you're like, oh, I'm going to stick this movement, and so I feel like it's it's quite the load for your knees to stop. And birds. And not working. <laughs> birds. <laughs> birds, and they're all, like, you know, 12 ounces of bone. Are their knees backwards? Also, birds aren't animals. They are backwards, yeah. yeah. Birds aren't animals? No, birds aren't, what it read, isn't it? Birds aren't, birds aren't mammals. Well, yeah, birds, birds are, birds. are definitely yeah, birds are birds. Birds are birds. <laughs> birds are birds. They're in their yep. own category. If you don't, if you don't uh, believe us, look it up. <laughs> birds are birds. I'm just saying. Yeah, what was it? Uh, Candy shared that. the other day uh, bees with uh, cats photoshopped onto the face. Yeah, it, and it was me. fitting. It, I don't know it why. Just it just it looks so well. Fitting. It was like uh, birds with arms. I've like, seen those. Yeah, that doesn't look natural. <laughs> but the bees with cat faces definitely looked like it looked fitting because cats just have that like. I, I own everything no, titled no. face and then yes. bees of course act like they own everything because they're all just like all up in your face all the time and even though you know like all they got to do is like sting you once and like ah and you're in pain it's <laughs> like a cat like a cat would do that too uh, okay so we're talking now about um, how to build and foster the best training group for you yeah and so this is really, uh, how do you build your best friend circle for for training? And that might seem like a weird question, like, wait, building a friend circle for training? Um, but we're gonna talk about this real quick. We're gonna talk about the culture of your friends and how to, and how to make the best um, circle. Could be a team, could be a training partner, or it could just be you trying to get better and having, and using, your friends and, and other people you train with or who also train what you train even if you're remote uh to get better and so do you, what what are your first tips for that because i i i have this this stuff for me i think maybe one of the most important aspects of my life yeah i mean i i think it's worth saying that it transcends just like your your parkour training and that it really everything kind of applies Same rules pretty apply. universally to just life in general at work um you know with your with your like non-athletic friends if that's like a thing although i yes i have a few non-athletic friends um you know just like your friends in general as well as like your training your training friends so um think about it that way and it's a very complicated thing and it's it's a bit different for everybody else but i think it's worth starting out Let's tackle some negatives first, and then we'll talk about some positives. So yeah, let's talk about first why this might be a little bit of a problem. There we go. You know, do, do you do you have some specifics? I definitely have some specifics, right? Well, I was going to address. We had a couple of, of like two big questions that popped up when we were just kind of yeah. We spitballed this idea, and I threw out hey, you know, I think we had thrown out a video or something and it was along the lines of just reinforcing how important it is to have positive people in your life. And if you have negative people in your life, you know, depending on what those relationships are, it's family, that's tough. If it's somebody like a roommate, that can be tough too if you're in a lease with somebody. <laughs> you know, um, it may be time to cut them out. And uh, we actually got a lot of questions with our with our own group in internally about 
about that. And I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't like shocked or taken back by that, but I was like, Hey, this is a good time to talk about this. Cause this is stuff I have fought through a ton, especially during high school. It's very easy to start to have these thoughts about, wow, we've got some, everybody's growing, but maybe there's a lot of negativity in an area and how much does that have an effect on, on you and how much are you responsible for fixing that too? So, mm-hmm. um, what were some of the things that, that, uh, that you were, that you wanted to say on that? So the first one was, um, I guess there were like two sides of kind of the same coin and it was, um, is there such a thing as too much positivity in a group? And maybe we could save that one for later when we start on the positive. So we'll do the negative. And that is, are negative people in your friend circle actually a negative thing towards growth or can they, can their negative energy be channeled into some positives for you? Yeah. And we've also heard heard it called out before that it's good to be around um negative people because they challenge you and maybe if you're just around positive people all the time that somehow you won't be able to um grow as much because they won't be challenged or you won't see there won't be a diverse opinion or differing opinion or um sometimes it's in reaction to people's negativity um, that you're able to gather some momentum to get better, right? You yeah. might you might get angry about something or be up or be challenged by somebody's ideas, and then you're like, oh, okay, or what they said, and that might, in the short term, motivate you to to push yourself to do better. And if everybody's just okay with you, then somehow you might not find the motivation to to improve. Um, I think was one of the concerns, right? Yeah. So, um, I think that. Well, so let, let's let's set let's set this benchmark in in place here, and that is that um, being. Uh, I want to talk about why that why that why those why that's apples and oranges, in the sense that why is it better to cut? Let's just contrast the two. So I want to talk about this. this is a growth mindset versus earlier we were looking for the word. I think. Um, status or prestige maybe at the more positive side of things but I'm going to say status versus growth mindset and it's like if you're with a group of people who have a focus on finding a finding and keeping a position in of power or influence within a group and that group is very narrow and they don't like outsiders in that group or their or that group is not diversified and that no one everybody spends time around the same people all the time then there's going to be this natural vying, it seems, for a position in that in that hierarchy within that group. And anytime anybody steps outside of that or does something different, the group might, if the group is concerned mostly about status and prestige, and you can act like they're not, but that could be righteous status, meaning we're all equal here, and anybody who tries to act like they're any better than the rest of us, we're going to pull them down. Or it might be a scenario where somebody tries to do something different in their life and people are like, why are you over there talking to those people? Or why are you over there trying this different thing? Because this is what we do and now you're a traitor, right? So we've even seen some of that behavior when it comes to uh, training with different groups or training with different disciplines or shifting the focus on your practice. Lots of times people will be very focused on parkour and they'll switch to like lifting and then people will act like maybe they gave up on the discipline. Mm-hmm. 
or you'll see people who start to train with a different team or watch different shows and then other people are like why are you watching that that's not cool you know sort of this sort of like control that sort of pulls people in and, and is, is sort of like an imbalance on the negative side but that's I believe that's primarily focused around status and prestige, meaning this is who we are, this is where we are, this is identity, and, and we're trying to be better or control that instead of being focused on growth. And so I want to take a group like that, and let's just say they are the positive side of that. They are, they are not, they are focused on themselves, um, getting better, okay, maybe, and they're focused on giving tips to people here and there, but that group is primarily using each other's maybe catcalls, judgment, anger, frustration, um, you know, to motivate to motivate each other to get better. Maybe in the best case scenario, let's contrast that with another type of group, which would have a growth mindset. So this would be a group of people who are intentfully trying to grow. They understand that. So this would be your, this would be people who are primarily positive. And they also have a vested interest in your growth, meaning they are actively trying to grow you. And let's say these friend, this friend circle is five people on both sides. So we have, you know, group A, which is, you know, maybe has some negative people, quote unquote, in it, and some other people who are pretty good to train around, um, but their focus is just on training, and maybe they're using some motivation of, of negativity or self-deprecation, like, to, to get better. And then on the other side, you have a group of people who are consciously trying to improve each other. So you take five people and their intention is not only to grow themselves, but the people who are there, their focus is on the growth of you. So if it's me, then I'm training, but I'm also actively thinking I'm trying to grow Jesse, right? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to grow Justin. And that's just what we've agreed upon because we have the common goal of getting better at overall. We have a growth mindset and we're trying to get better at a particular goal like a discipline like this is we train together on a team or we have a business together or we have a project we're working on together and so imagine just to kick this conversation off you contrast a group of five people whose primary intention is to not only grow but to focus on getting the people around them to grow as well to help them grow with and so that means no negativity you know it's just gonna negativity just comes up but you're not like this person's the the negative person of the group and they're around to challenge us and keep us better right you've got all five people who are all focused on growing each other and you got five people who have just in an effort to grow have chucked in some some people who kind of can be negative or whatnot in the hopes of motivation and and when you contrast those true those two side by side it doesn't make as much sense right like how could you have if you have five people who are positive trying to grow each other and then you contrast that with a group of, of five people who are training who are like yeah, we got negative people and we have positive people and we think that diversity is enough. Do you really even think that there's going to be a comparison in those groups between... I mean, skill-wise, maybe, but not in the long term, right? And certainly um, Group A, which I guess is our, our negative... Control group, right? Our control group. Right. Um, it's definitely not going to be as enjoyable to be around as Group B, regardless of skill level, right? Like they may, they may be on a skill level pretty comparable to each other and they may even grow at a comparable rate, but it's kind of like, would you rather be in a room full of really intelligent people who just talk about how dumb each other is, <laughs> but they're all very smart, right. would you rather be in a group of average people 
who just like who just hype you up and they're right. just like this dude's so cool he's so smart and you're like nah I'm kind of dumb man and they're like it's okay dude you'll get smarter right you're probably gonna want to be in the other room even Always. though you know you're not like in a room full of geniuses so I think it just I think that emotionally I would just rather be in group B it's healthier it's definitely healthier because your your training group doesn't stay with your training right like when you leave the training group everything that just happened there is it stays with you you know emotionally that is and mentally so whether you went into the training group and you wanted to smash a challenge and you totally biffed it and you didn't get there it's not like you can leave the challenge and be like oh that's okay i missed the challenge that i wanted to and uh it's okay because now i'm doing something else like you're definitely still going to look back at that and be like man i really wish i would have hit that challenge Right? I really wish I, I could have tried some more or something like that. And if you're with a friend group that's negatively fueled, that negative energy sticks with you outside of that. Right. Whereas if you were with a group that's like, it's cool, man. Like, that was rough. You really gave it your best shot today. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be training on, you know, a couple of days from now. I'm going to train back at this spot. You want to just join me then and we can hit it again. You're going to be, you're going to leave that training session and you're going to be like, dang, I really wish I would have hit it. But that's okay. I'm going to go back on Thursday with Justin and we're mm-hmm. going to try it again. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the feeling that you get. That's the key difference is that person who said, who saw that in you and was like, ooh, it looks like he wants that. Okay, cool. You're, dude, let's just, any kind of like, don't say it in the group, but just later on, like, yo, dude, let's just come back, you know, day after tomorrow and, and work this jump. I like, I think I have the run up for it and you'll, you know, probably get it. That's one thing. Or a friend who's going to be honest with you, it doesn't mean they're not honest, is going to say with you, like, hey, you know, you haven't training for a bit, let's just get some volume in. Let's get some volume in and get you back up to where you were. I'll go out with I'll go with you in the mornings. We'll get better, and then we'll come back and we'll crush it like a month from now. It's no big deal. You've had that jump before or whatnot. But when we sort of don't say anything and just sort of show up and just wait for whatever, this is positive. You should come into environments and just wait for things to sort of arise and come naturally and not force everything. But if you just sit around and sort of wait to establish that tone, I think that's that's different. So I, I, the the one thing I would. Uh, um, uh, press is people who will say I don't know I've been highly motivated by people before because of because of anger or because um, you know I'm hard on myself right and and I would say that's one th- one way to get things done but it's not sustainable and you also can't just say that alone is better than than the alternative of being around positive people who are trying to build you up you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because there is no contrast between, or there's contrast, there's so much contrast between a group of five people, two or three of which are primarily using frustration, self-deprecation, and aggression towards themselves to motivate them, and a group of five people who are positive and committed to each other's growth. There is no, you, you, can, you can say, well, there's not, if I don't have the person to motivate me, I'll be, I'll be one way, but... If you throw into contrast having, so you have to ask yourself this question first. So if everyone's listening to this and they're like, I don't get what he's saying, then I want you to take a step back and ask yourself, one, do you have anyone, like look around you in your training circle. Do you have anyone that you really think is committed to your growth, who's actively trying to make you better? And that's not just like throwing you some tips here and then there, but if you ask, you, you look at them and say, this person's committed to my improvement. Like, if you don't, that's a start. Seek that out. And then on the flip side of that coin, ask yourself, who are you in your friend circle, like, committed to helping grow? Like, when you're thinking, like, 
okay, I'm trying to help Justin grow. Like I have this circle, right? And actually not everybody's in the training side of it, but I have like five people that are in this circle just for me outside of training that I look at and I'm like, okay, I know who they are right away. I am actively and consciously looking for ways to make them better and more successful. If I get a goodie, if I get a, ted, a tidbit, they're gonna hear about it. If I have an opportunity and there's room for other people in it, they're gonna hear about it. And when I look at them and they're down, I feel an obligation to go and pump them back up and to build them back up and to build up their esteem and help them get better. If you can build that network, I think five's about max for that. I mean, I'm sure you could improve it a little bit more. And I'm not saying that you don't have positive relationships outside of that. But what's that What's that wheel of like about, you know, five, four, three to six people that you've built up that you're trying to build up, right? Because it has to be, it has to be reciprocal or it has to reciprocate. Well, so I think the most, so... Uh, a concrete thing that you said there is that you're trying to share your the things that you've had success with and and provide that to other people um, because I feel like it's it, you can get lost in when you say trying to build other people up. I feel like mm-hmm. the most common thing is just like oh I compliment people. It could be nebulous. But I think yeah. yeah I think it's too nebulous. So I think I think what you said when you said that you're trying to share your your successes and you're trying to give other people the tips that you know that worked for you and you think that that can work for them. Um, I think that is a more tangible way to yeah, and I also feel think, that. I also think if you pick those relationships consciously, then you can sort of, not vet, but sort of work out, is there reciprocity there? Meaning, is it going both ways? Can you develop a culture between two one-on-one relationships where, look, you can chase after the move, you can chase after the money, you can chase after the, the video, the prestige, all right? But... Nothing feels better than having the admiration of the people that you care about and you look up to. If you have that, you won. You're a winner. What more do you want? At that point, it's scaling it and it's meaning building it up, you know, expanding out if you want, you don't have to, and it's sustaining it because tasting it once isn't enough. That's what an A team looks like, right? An A team looks like you get people together. One person falls down, the other person picks them up, and when they're all working together, they're all building each other up, and you can't catch up with them. You look at them, and you try and replicate what they've done, but it's too late, because as soon as you figure it out, they've already moved on to the next best thing, and they're growing even further, because it comes from the inside. It's part of the culture. I think a a good way, because I want to introduce like a third group, type of group, Mm. um, just so we have an additional control group. Yeah. Um, But before I do... I think it's worth asking yourself, like another way to determine what type of group that you're in currently, if you are in a group, is if you worked really hard on a skill and then you introduced it to your group and somebody else in the group got it, what's your emotional reaction to that? If your emotional reaction is like, dang, I worked really hard on that and he just got it and now you're like upset about it, then your group is definitely group A, where there's some <laughs> negative aspects. And that's right. it, it, there's room for improvement, right? right. But it, before you can improve, you gotta identify if that's the case. If the group is the opposite, where you introduce it and somebody gets it and you're like, dude, that's awesome, and your emotion is genuine elation and happiness for that person, mm-hmm. then you know that either A, you're in a group that's positive, or B, and or maybe and or B, you're the person in the group that's genuinely looking out 
for other people's growth. Mm -hmm. Both are very good things, right? But that's a good way to like check yourself is like, am I that person in the group or am I in the right group? Is be like, if somebody else got a skill that I was working really hard on and they got it in half the time it took me, am I happy for them? Mm -hmm. Or am I upset? Because I no longer have the status or prestige of having this skill that nobody else in my group had. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I think that's worth noting because it can be kind of tricky sometimes. You'd be like, well, yeah, when I hit skills, like, you know, my friends are like, ah, that was awesome. And is that like, is that a positive group or is that a negative group? And I think it happens more around the motivations around skills. So it's not like, obviously friends celebrate victories, but what determines a good friend group is how do they handle the losses, mm -hmm. right? Or the progress to a victory yeah. is really the, the important part. And that circle and that team is gonna accomplish a lot and it's gonna feel real good to be around them. Some other things we can pick apart too is just also like initially start with one person. If you're if you're just starting to think about this and like, man, I don't know if I have friends I really like focus on their growth. I don't I don't know if I have that right now, then you know, you might be the problem, you know. <laughs> you know, you you need to to pick somebody who you think there's some reciprocity there who's really like, you know, who's who's really been supportive and try and help them. And sometimes those people aren't the person that you look up to skill-wise or that you want to be exactly in their position. And that's why I want to talk about that too, which is that is that I've heard multiple times um, people describe, and I think the first person I heard this from was Ty Lopez, you know, the like, uh, you've, you know, the, the here I am in my garage with my Lamborghini meme, right, that guy? Mm -hmm. um, he would talk about putting yourself, and I'm sure you got it from somewhere else, this is just the first, way I heard, first place I heard it, was spending time with people with with a group with three groups of people the first group is people who are who are where you want to be like splitting your odd time with a third with people who are where you want to be they've achieved what you want to achieve they have what you what you what you want and in this case it may be they just have a really good friend circle right and they're really positive and they feel good feels good to be around them and they're always growing they have a growth mindset and then the second, or it might be somebody who has the athleticism you want, the techniques you want, or the house or the money or the family or the lifestyle that you want too. That's fine too. Then uh, the next group is people who are working towards where you, um, the same goals, right? So they're where you're at, but you all wanna go to the same place. And that's where I think we're talking about this particular set of behaviors mm -hmm. as being most important because that group is going to be the one I think that's most likely going to uh, have the most energy moving towards goals. And then the other group is the group of people who you recognize are, are where you are, where they, they want to be. Right, so that group of people is the people who are trying to get where you are, um, and spending time with them and giving back to them to help them. And this creates a culture of how we spend our time. And I would argue this is outside of this four, this this group of you know three to six core people. Um, they they are they are there to to make sure you don't get stuck in being selfish by only working with people who are where you want to be, or you have leave room for you to grow by only focusing on people who want to get where you are. Okay, then you're not growing, you're not doing enough for those people. And then it's just so much more helpful and beneficial in real time. And you can learn so much from working with a group that's that are that's working on what you're working on that has tremendous value too. And the other thing I want to say is that with this group of core, you know, your core uh, Power Rangers or whatever, are there five Power Rangers? 
I'm 60. 60 Power Rangers. No, but in a, in the group. Six. What about Voltron? How many guys are in Voltron? Is that five? Six? Five, anyway. Yeah. yeah. All right, so you're working with your Voltron group, right? With your Voltron group, you know, they may do different things. This Voltron analogy might play out, Justin. See if you can score me at the end if it doesn't. I never watched it, so... You never watched Voltron? As you know, the same guys who did Avatar did Voltron. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nowhere near as good, <laughs> but... You can see it in the writing, trust me. All right, not as much humor. Um, so Voltron is this, like, is this, they're like space fantasy, whatever. You've got these, like, robot, like, lions that come from different parts of the universe, and then people can operate them, but then they combine into one, like, uh, essentially, like, mech warrior, Gundam warrior style, like, thing, they right? morph into Voltron. They morph into Voltron. Voltron is all of them together, correct? Right, yep. Okay. They morph into Voltron. You got one becomes the arm, the other arm, the leg, the torso, and the head, right? So they... they yeah. Oh, no, it's all that. the head and the torso is the same, I think. Yeah. Um, and then they have a sword. <laughs> because, and then they have a sword, because you need a sword in space. But you only get the sword when you're in the Voltron. Yeah, nobody owns the sword. It just, like, comes out of nowhere. Yes, it actually comes out of nowhere in that in that scenario, too. <laughs> so... To, to make your Volt, to form Voltron, you need you need to have sometimes people in different areas. So don't be like, I only need, these people can only be um, people I train with in order to get better. Like for example, one of my people is my wifey, all right? And that's because she's always trying to build me up. And then you say people, we, we were talking earlier about people who have, a, um, who may not be amazing athletes. Um, Kenny's a good athlete, but you know, you, you, we don't train the same things. We don't practice and train together in the same ways. Um, but she does have to come home and listen to me either, you know, in jubilation for my achievements or in sorrow for my failures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then everyone, you know, but she is positive and wants to me to, oh, you're just so good. You'll get better at it. And that's just so awesome to have, um, especially when you're healing from your, licking your training wounds. Right. Um, and so, and so that, uh, that's where I think those relationships can be outside of just training. So look to build five people who are building you up, make your Voltron, and then diversify in that you're going to groups that are not just focused on, on training alone. So let's, let's in summary, um, since we covered a lot there, um, the question that we're specifically tackling was, um, do we want some... Um, key negative people in our group. Not saying we go out and we find them and we're like, hey man, are you negative? Cool, come into my friend group. But like if they exist, um, rather, do we do we just be like, oh no, it's cool. We, I want him in there because I want that, like, that negative stimulus. That's the question we're answering is do we keep that or do we try and like make a change around that? And I, just in summary, um, Justin, yes or no do you want negative people in your circle i wouldn't put it in the most common circle i'd certainly make time for it but i wouldn't uh and i would have intention going into a negative uh atmosphere or or a negative person in my group but i wouldn't i wouldn't make that a regular occurrence not in your core group no so maybe maybe you'd have some some negative people in your extended group yeah right yeah and it's just it just needs to be less less common and you need to go in there knowing that it's going to be a negative experience and that you're in there to almost combat that and learn from it but that's different yeah that's that's different from your core group who should who should be like doubling up on the opposite side of that yeah who should give you the energy to go into a negative situation i really like that like if you're going in and you know there's a negative 
individual or individuals in your group going in knowing that that's the energy there and kind of putting I hate this analogy but putting your armor up against that because you know that it's going to be there Mm -hmm. so that you can still enjoy that person without attributing their negative energy to that person as a whole I think is a really good point that it's like you can have negative people in your life and in fact you're gonna regardless but you need to be able to prepare for that because if and here's where it's well before I add that but I think that's a really cool point I think that's a super important thing that like your core group should be positive and you can have negatives in the extended group but you need to be prepped for that you need to put on some battle armor or Mm -hmm. at least some salve you know Mm -hmm. maybe some sunscreen because they're a little toasty at times (laughs) what about you do you want negative people in your core group or your extended group if you are not focused on building and if you're not if you have a growth mindset if you have a status mindset if if i feel like the that there's so so first of all i don't believe that there's like 100 percent negative people there are people who are way out of balance and there isn't and there isn't like harmony in their behavior. There's not 100% positive people. There's not good people and bad people. And that's where I think we we mess up in in Western society quite a bit. But there you can be out of balance and you can be overly negative. And if you're in that situation, if it's not temporary because something happened to you, you cannot be in my core group. It's just, it's not a thing. Cool. It just doesn't, it's not a choice. It just doesn't align because it takes so much energy to build people up. Like what you're saying, you gotta go out, you gotta put your armor on, you gotta do, because I'm always giving. I'm obsessed with the value of the people in my in my core group. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving and giving and giving, and it's just too fatiguing to not have some reciprocity there and to not have that person respond to growth as well. So sometimes the negativity isn't necessarily that they have to give back to you in that way, but but, it's in the same level of give, but they have to be focused on growth. And if it's just constantly like, so in the seventies and they say, what is it, sixty or seventies? They would always say, oh, you're such a drag, man. Right? Like that like old <laughs> word. I'm like, I want to use it again, even though I don't know, like I'm sure some of my parents I don't know what use era it. That came from. I don't know what era it came from, but I totally get it. It's like, you're just so sapping of energy, right? So if you don't leave that group feeling like, I should feel like a good workout. You have an interaction with a friend and it, maybe you guys did work, but you get done and you're like, man that that something's gonna come of that that's gonna be we're gonna recover from this and the next day we're gonna be better or if every time you run into them you're like oh my gosh this is like you know crossfit without good coaches <laughs> right yeah so it's just like you're just getting beat up then then that's that so the answer the easier answer to that is is based on my caveats no you cannot be now i can't put you in the 30 not a quarter i put you in the 30 30 30 if we have common goals or if I feel like it's really good, because sometimes I will have at the occasional argument with someone on, on Facebook, social media, or just at a party, or where I try and just put solid energy into into making a point or helping them grow or opening minds or sharing what I'm passionate about when I know there's just going to be nothing given back in return, but for the exercise of having maybe done it, <laughs> and maybe they're going to go out and, and be less of, and, and have a different mindset. So... So you so you make room for that in the extended in the extended. It's an Assuming exercise. Assuming there are some yeah some key per, uh, personality attributes that exist like a common goal or they're in an industry that you want to get into or something like that right. Yeah, like we're it's in a gym, like comp. A, yeah. Yeah, totally. I talk to to people who just are stuck in a, what seems like out of balance. I would say out of balance, where they don't have harmony. You know what I mean? Okay. So n- no to the core group. No to the co group. Uh, for me, it's it's a definite no as well um, for the core group, except I don't think 
I, in retrospect, a lot of my life, I, I didn't have a ton of intention around like seeking my friend group. I think like my personality around my friend group has always been like, I want everybody when we're all together, I want everybody smiling and laughing and being their truest self. And if your truest self means that like you're sitting at the end of the counter, but you're still in the group, but you're like reading a book, but you're like smiling, that's cool with me. Like what I don't like is when groups are together and like somebody's down and other people are up. Like I just want everybody just like having a great time and enjoying themselves. And that's like, that's the most important thing for me in a friend group. And I think that by extension tends to bring people who will have a growth mindset to me. So I won't say that like, I've always had the intention of bringing people like, oh, Justin has a growth mindset and I want him in my group. I don't think I've ever been that intentional about it until like, you know, more recent years. Um, but I think the fact that I've just always been like, oh, I want to hang out with Justin. I want to hang out with Justin. He's always his like happiest self. And that's cool with me. He vibes with me in the way that I like. Mm-hmm. I think that has just naturally gravitated those types of people to me. And I, I've definitely been very lucky mm-hmm. in that that's just been what my core group ends to like, tends to be like, right? Right. Now on the extended side, um, I think I, I am of the personality type of bit that like negative energy fuels me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also like a young guy, mm-hmm. um, a young like male. So like testosterone is just like a, like a primary it's hormonal vibe. Yeah. It's right. Fire. Whether or not that's a thing that I'll do as I get older, probably not. Well, eventually testosterone uh, goes down, but I wouldn't wait for that. True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, like that's definitely more of like a, the physical aspect of it, but like mentally I, it's, you're right. It's just not sustainable, you know? So in my extended group, there will definitely be some of those people. And, um, I just take that and I'm just like. I just channel it back into making myself better. But I think when I do that, I always tend to try and focus on my end result. Mm-hmm. So rather than being like, oh, Justin says I suck. I think about it more as like somebody didn't view me in the best light that I view myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to work harder so that when I come back to it, Justin sees me in a better light. Mm-hmm. All right. Whether that is athletically or emotionally or mentally I want that person to be like he's really cool he seems to be having just a grand old time all the time and I want that right Mm -hmm. and so I want people to see me in that best light so I take if they have a negative view of me I take that and I'm like you know what I'm gonna work on myself so that when I come back it's harder for them to hold me in that negative light right right so again I so in summary I don't I haven't never been super intentional about like weeding or pruning my friend group but i think because i just naturally have that personality type it's extended. yeah it's hard to do that from the outside and so that's why i think it's important to do that and you and if you're if you're confident in that mission and you have a growth mindset all of a sudden when people critique you it doesn't feel as bad yeah because it's gold Mm -hmm. you know and you can be like oh man he just said that wait is that true okay cool yeah that is kind of true all right that's cool (laughs) yeah yeah i know you're right i'll fix that Authenticity and legacy. This is a problem because what I want to talk about this real quick because these are two points that I wish I would have had advice on earlier, which is um, it's important to, if your friends are being negative or if they have negative behaviors, to confront them on it and make sure that it gets resolved. Two reasons. One, you might be wrong their negative behavior might not be bad or what they're doing might not be bad or you could be giving them 
um, you know, uh, flack for something that you really shouldn't, and you need to get checked on that on the reverse. Mm-hmm. Two, they can't have excuses made for them as they go on in later life that they're going to suffer for. And so this is not a binary approach where you screw up and you can't be friends with somebody, but there has to be forward motion, right? There has to be forward travel of the ball, right? You've got to be going the right direction. When people are younger, that's a little slower and it's more impulsive and that's fine as long as there's traction and you're moving forward and it's not too fatiguing that all you're doing is working, you know, a mile for this person and they're making an inch of progress, right? They can't be, to me, can't be in that, that core group. Um, doesn't mean it can't be worked on, but maybe it's it's once every other week or once a week instead of spending every day with that person, right? Yeah. So that that's where that that's where that's going to change. Um, the authenticity piece. This is better that this happens when you're younger, when you're a kid, and you end up being a jerk or being selfish or working on people too much will might get you hurt in some ways, like a compulsive giver or pathological. Um, giver of time and energy it's better that you learn that in elementary school or high school so if your high school friends like it's okay to, to bring this up and be harder on people earlier but find some solid mentors because if you you have to have that experience don't wait if you have a friend um, friends who do, who aren't positive in your circle you know, vet them, help them grow or get them out because that might be the account that might be the accountability they need. Don't wait till the till some poor person marries this person, has a kid with them, and then they have to deal with that. <laughs> right? 20, 30 years baked in bad behaviors, and now you just excused them all the way into adulthood because of who they ah, you know, it's it's Cullen. You know, it's just Cullen being Cullen. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. It's the buddy being the buddy thing. I think that's yeah. one of the worst things you can do for people, and it always ends up excusing some jerk into adulthood or into your friend circle uh, for behaviors that need to be fixed. That doesn't mean you're just like, just always just like a gotcha, you know, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha on stuff. But that that means that there just has to be growth, right? You're just growth mindset versus just entitlement of your position in a friend circle. Yep. Now that's authenticity, I think. I, yeah, I mean, authenticity in your group matters arguably more than anything else because can you call somebody your friend or part of your core group if you're not all authentic with each other a hundred or 99% mm-hmm. of the time? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a huge point. And you have to work out if it works. So people always talk, you know, Dave Chappelle used to do this skit when keeping it real goes wrong, Right. And this skit is hilarious. I don't even know if it's appropriate. I haven't watched it in 10 years, so I'm, I'm worried about people <laughs> calling change. it up, right? Times change. But the premise of the skit was like someone would was in a relationship or something, or they were with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or something like that, and then they and they say, you know what, I'm just going to keep it real. I'm going to say what I want to say, and they say it, and then it backfires like horribly. So that exercise has to happen too, because lots of times people are like, oh, I'm going to keep it real. And that doesn't mean just like spouting off judgment and barking at everyone around you. You have to find out what works when you're giving feedback mm-hmm. and the best way to give feedback, because you'll, you'll screw it up, right? You'll come in with the intention of helping someone. And maybe an example is, uh, what's a real good example of this? Like you, you kind of have to not pick your battles, but pick and choose when the timing of your stuff is appropriate. So, um, wisdom is the timely application of knowledge. We've talked about that before. It's like, if you decide that the, um, 
so I had I actually had a one of my kung fu masters as a perfect example of this. He had a girl that he was he was dating, and he was uh, they were they were pen pals essentially, and he was studying English, and he's talking to the girl. So this is a while ago. This is a the long yeah. We're talking like pen pals, right? <laughs> exactly. Okay. So that, for if you don't know what a pen pal is, it's a it, you, people used to write letters to each other in the past. On on paper, you got to do a little yeah. back. We all know what pen pals. We don't need a definition of what pen pals. Okay. You can look it up. So he wrote to his this 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 woman that he was interested in having you know a friendship with is like hey you know tries to write him a letter in English and he's an English major and she's Chinese they're both Chinese and she's like yeah and you know it's it's I miss you and if you have any feedback about my English please please critique this essay right. <laughs> so he gets it and he's like oh well this is terrible press out the red pen and I had him as an English teacher so he would use his red pen to like write on all his critiques he just tears the letter up and gives all this feedback he's like this is good she's gonna learn so much from this oh. and then he folds it up sends it back to her that was the last pen pal exchange that, that those guys had together <laughs> so it's like okay but he was keeping it real he was being authentic but you gotta be wise about it well and I, I think there's there's a difference too between being authentic and uh, being hard or right? insensitive insensitive yeah because like authentic is like I see that you're trying and I want to celebrate your efforts mm-hmm. but also help you yeah right if I just try to help you and not celebrate the effort you we get nowhere because mm-hmm. then you just feel like you're getting torn down mm-hmm. so this perfect se- we'll segue then to is there a negative or at what point does it become a negative when you're in a group of people that is just a hundred percent positive. I could slap you in the face. You'd be like, "That was a good hit," <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, is there a point where you get to such a uh, what was the term we use? Toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. We had the somebody say they worked for a company where you could where you could only be positive, right? Logan and their coaches said, "Well, you, you I worked for a company and it's just like you couldn't say any anything negative or provide any kind of cons, you know maybe constructive feedback or just hey you couldn't have a bad day like there was no um you have to have that good faith that goodwill you know be assume that the person is meaning well and then try and respond well to that but i think that most of the time like i worked for enterprise before like not enterprise rent a car but like <laughs> enterprise enterprise com- yeah, enterprises yes yeah, size business and a lot of times what happens is there's such a focus on trying to keep a positive disposition towards things that people don't feel heard. So if you don't feel heard, if you don't feel like you're being listened to, one, if you're not trying, then that's then that's not necessarily a positive environment. Who wants to be in an environment where they're not listened to? And I think that's what happens most of the time where you end up with this sort of like inauthentic, insincere type of positivity. So you're saying it becomes a negative one, you or others in your core group feel like they aren't hurt. And I would argue that that's not a completely positive environment. Because in a positive environment, communication goes two ways, right? You have downstream communication about information, but you get up feedback up the other way, and that circle is very open, and you should feel like you can sit down and talk with your leaders, and that that's constructive, and that there isn't such a membrane between each other when we're training together, when I have a relationship with you as a, as a, um, as a friend or as like a leader. That's why I prefer leadership as a model for um, for organizational structure over like supervisory management. That sort of traditional, more almost like military hierarchy. Even though the military focuses a ton on leadership too, I'm not trying to say that's that's that they're weak in that. But that traditional, you know, I work at McDonald's and I have, you know, 
what does uh, Cheryl say on uh, Archer? You're not my supervisor! Right? Like that sort of like... <laughs> you she know. was saying uh, more of like a cohesive feedback circle rather than a direct report. Yeah, the communication so. has to be open. It's very hard to achieve, but it, it, it has to be. And people have to understand that if you're in a friend circle and you're the maybe the older one, like let's say you're training with a group of younger people and you're the oldest one, and you're or you're the more experienced one, or you're the, you're the kid who's got, uh, you know, like you're at the gym, and then there's a new person coming into the gym and people are feeling out that chemistry, you have a certain power and responsibility that comes with that to represent um, the organization you're a part of and to make people feel welcome and coming in and growing. And it's very easy to sort of, you know, throw people under the bus. I want to talk about this, this real, throwing people under the bus in the circle. So there's an archetype of friends that I want everybody to look at right now. And I want to say who in your friend circle, when someone wants to make a joke or when somebody wants to feel powerful or when somebody want has uh, somebody feels like laughing about someone, who is that person? The person being laughed at? Yeah. Okay. So I want you to try and identify who that person is. When we make a joke about someone in a friend circle, who is that person? Because oftentimes that person is an introvert and like my wife is this way and she will laugh under tension and anxiety. So if something's awkward or like someone makes it like a weird joke and she'll laugh at it when most people will just be like, Mm, that's cringe. Like, I'll say cringe. I'll be like, mm, or I'll confront it because that's kind of part of my personality. But she will laugh. And sometimes that encourages the behavior, right? Yeah. And inside that person is suffering in silence or suffering in laughter, right? But they're, <laughs> but you know, that yeah. that's how they really feel. And so you need to identify that about your friend circles as well. It's like who, if you think you're really building everybody up and you're all having a good time, is there one person who's taking the brunt of things? And then when you're, um, when you're working together as a group, are you trying to, again, compliment people and build each other up? Or is there always like a couple of people who are taking, taking the jokes? Because sometimes you'll have people who are dishing it out but can't take it back. And then you have people also who are just constantly the, you know, the butt of jokes. And that's not positive either in that environment. It's true. I feel like we do a good job in our core group of rotating who's the butt. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. There's a little, there's a, there's butt rotation. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, that was good. Do you have anything you want to add to, like, when does a positive group become negative? And I like Travis's statement that it was like, if that, if it's a negative, then it's not actually a positive group. But what are, what are the indicators of that, maybe, if you have any that you want to add? That sounds like if the positivity is like overwhelming and uh, exhausting, that sounds like it's So you mean natural, like that? natural. What do you mean? Like I feel like if you're getting in a group and you feel like you constantly have to work to find the next positive thing to contribute, um, and it feels like it's too hard to contribute in a positive way. Like I think that could I could, I wouldn't say it's bad or, but I could see it being exhausting and being you're gonna want to avoid that if you feel like you have to work, uh, harder than you. Then it's natural. Then it's natural to so be positive, yeah. In, in, um, yeah, philosophically, we might call that, it's referred to as like uh, mutual arising, um, meaning like you, or non action. So, like, if you're in a group and you have people who are forcing it, it's what makes it really awkward. It's what makes yeah. things feel very evangelical. Yeah. All right, I'm not calling out oh, any yeah. particular, you know, belief system, but it seems like, like, we see this a lot in tricking. And at, I think that tricking is awesome and it 
uh, and when I see people train, people are very, very positive and just very, um, but it, sometimes it feels excessive. Like the celebration around any minor achievement at like this almost evangelical level, yeah. right? Feels a bit, it feels less authentic at times because it just seems like we're cheering because we want to feel like it feels to have a large group cheer together. And sometimes that energy's there and I would rather have that than the near stoic behavior that exists in most parkour circles where someone <laughs> does something, you know, unhuman. And you, yeah, you don't even get the golf clap. People are just like, I could jump like that if I wanted to, right? Like sometimes. <laughs> I'm not warmed up yet, though. Yeah, I'm not warmed up yet. Oh, this, the knees been bothering me. We'll try some, try some split squats. Yeah. You know, so you end up at that. Like, so you're saying that. So I think that that um, is not. It's just sometimes it's not natural. If the chemistry's there, if the energy's there, yeah, you kind of read the room. For sure. Learn, learn to read the room. Yeah. It's also. It's. I think it's okay to say like there is everybody has on and off days mm -hmm. and an authentic core group will recognize like Justin's not having a good day or I'm not having a good day and the core group will be will accept that right and if you're as long as you're not tearing others down in the core group they still welcome you mm -hmm. that matters right because if if your core group only accepts you when you're positive they're not being authentic Right? Because the truth is everybody oscillates. Mm -hmm. Right? And a core group, a good group of friends will be like, I get it. You're having an off day. And as long as Justin's not like, your shoes are ugly, dude. And then I'm like, that seems kind of mean. And then he comes around and later on he's insulting my shirt. Right? As long as he's not tearing me down, but he's just like, I'm like, hey, Justin, and I'm like teasing and like joking around with him. And he's like, I'm sorry, man. I'm just not having it today. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. That's fine, man. Whatever. And then I let him be. Cool. He's still welcome to be around me. He's not being negative, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's what matters. So I think, yeah, like there's when your group can't tolerate any sort of like dip mm. in the positive energy, that's when it becomes a negative for me. It's like when it can't accept that people are people and they have differences and sometimes they have good days and sometimes they have bad days and they won't accept you on your bad days, that's not truly a positive group yeah and uh, and there's there's a natural like coming together and humming of that that i think just just occurs with some groups of people and that's where you might get like a super bubbly group that like i've encountered groups where i was like i can't believe these guys are this positive <laughs> like yeah. this can't be this can't be real and you're on and they go oh, no they just really do a good job they're lighthearted, have a good time everybody you know is really focused and I think that's something that, that like, tricking and b-boy, I think b-boy does a tremendous job of that because also music is involved in it. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that b-boy circles have the same, like, problems with beef between each other in, uh, as in parkour tricking circles or any other, you know, uh, in, you know, squad. But the, I think music helps so much that... I think it also helps that, like, in b-boy, if you have a core group of, like, dancers, you've also battled against everybody in your core group mm. and so it's like you're already kind of used to like what it is to like square up at somebody mm. right and to it takes someone. the tension off yeah because now you're like even though obviously it's dance and it's play and it's fun and even though you're like right you know like teasing <laughs> each other yes, right exactly. and you're goofing off and it is fun like you're still squaring you are still like i'm trying to show up yeah. show you up yeah in your friend circle even play which makes it so. way much e which like breaks down the barrier 
when I can later go on and be like, hey, Justin, I feel like you got an issue with me. What's going on, man? Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, you just like totally dissed my shoes earlier. And I don't think that was cool, mm-hmm. man. It, I, we're already used to having some sort of confrontation mm-hmm. and resolving it with a battle. So it makes it way easier for us to do that in a friend like Because there's already intimacy to some yeah. degree. And I think that that's a very good point is that, is that... So battle your friends. Battle your friends. But I'm saying these relationships are a romance right yeah. it's an art it's not a science you can't just be like well i was your friend and then i helped you this way so you should help me or i need i need one withdrawal for every deposit you know or you just can't again you can't if you if you're having these realizations right now and you're like man i okay i want to try this out you know and i want to try giving more to the people who are the people who always seem to be there for me and supporting me and how am i gonna how am i gonna try and build them up and then foster that that is that's an art not a science yep it's very difficult to, to go and say, well, I'm just going to have like a group of five people. Let me write them down and pick them. And I'll pick positive, positive, positive in each aspect of my life. And then I'll pick a negative in there just to make sure that I, that I don't take myself too seriously. <laughs> right. It's not going to work. Yeah. It's a chemistry. You'll, it'll hum when it works. It'll make total sense. And you'll be like, oh, how did I ever think that just like randomly, it's like training. How did I ever think that just showing up and trying random things as a permanent method of training? not just for variety, was going to work for me versus having some sort of intention behind the way that I train. Yep. So, I mean, that's that's a big that's a big factor. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning, too, if you have the guy in your group or the girl in your group that's not on the same level as the rest of the group, they can change. Mm-hmm. And being a good friend, being an authentic group member is letting them know that there is an issue. Mm-hmm. Don't write a list. Don't have an intervention. Just start with something small. So if they're like, oh, dude, yeah, you sucked at that. You can right there just be like, hey, man, I'm really working on this and I'm struggling. And that kind of felt like that was, you know, I'm pretty vulnerable right now because mm-hmm. I'm sensitive that I didn't get this. Could we maybe cut that out? Right. And if they'll feel like, oh, ah, that, oh, okay. They should feel a little bit of shame for that. Mm-hmm. But that's how you, then you go, then you go back on your ways. And if it happens again, you can, you can approach it again. You don't have to stage an intervention, but they can grow. So don't just be like, the outrun guy said, I got to cut you out. You're out, dude. Be gone. You know what I mean? Like, don't do that. They can change. They can grow. Like you said, if there isn't growth from the effort you put in, that's when you start to consider like, Hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't hang out as much, or maybe we hang out less. Um, and That's if you're in a caustic, toxic relationship and you've already identified that, the Outrun guys did say that. So <laughs> Yeah, we did say that. We said, you can go, right? You can find somebody. Trust me. Just start with one person and see the reciprocity is there. The other thing uh, that I think is really, really, really cool technique for that is silence. Oftentimes, straight, <laughs> not laughing and making an awkward silence is very very, yes. very effective. I was going to say facial expressions and nothing else. Lindsay's really good at this. It's like, and holding it and then not saying anything afterwards. And you're like, ooh. And then, then all of a sudden you have to fill in the void, right? Because, yeah, it's the silence. Someone has to feel it. Feel, feel it. And uh, if, there's a, if there's a negative facial expression, it's really easy to do. You're not, you're not like really speaking out, but you're, you're, 
doing an outward expression and it let makes other people think about it it's like whoa let the uh, let the awkwardness be your so, yeah. tool yeah i love yeah. doing the, uh i think it's a good one the awkward stare as yeah. a, as or a just like the stoic like just blank face somebody like right after talking <laughs> just like look them in the eyes oh it's it's a tough skill and sometimes that's harder than even giving them the direct feedback of you know i i don't like it's true just because you have to sit in that uncomfortable awkwardness you just you're both just sitting there just waiting it out um as we as we wrap up well before i say any words you guys have any more you want to say i do want to make a mention uh for like parents who are trying because i feel like there's going to be a lot of parents who are looking at their kids and being like how do i have my kid understand what you guys just talked about and i Mm. and as a kid who's in high school it's this it's going to be virtually impossible to make these changes i feel like without having embarrassment and just the natural difficulties of high school in there so as a parent i feel like you just it's okay to bring your kids around your friends that you know are positive if you've already built this awesome group of core friends who are who are growing then just bring your kid into that and i think that's why that's what our mom did she we were always around her professional colleagues and then we grew up around parkour people who were 10 years older than us and yeah and that's where we learned a lot of it because in high school yeah. i couldn't choose these things i got picked one best friend and so if you're expecting your high school kid to be able to to take all this and just like change your lives with it, I think it's Along just, with all the other things just bring doing. them into you, the core group of people that you know are healthy. Or other environments that have training, like yep. probably the gym, right? Yeah. And, or different, some sports. Like I would actually just quit schools. Like <laughs> I, I identified that early on and I was school hopped. I think between middle school, it was like five different schools that I went to. It was nuts before I settled on one where I felt like the culture was something that I enjoyed. Um, also when you know, we talked about that selection when I uh, um, when I when I selected and pursued you guys as uh, um, business partners. These were things I was already looking at. I mean, I was already nearly thirty, and I already knew I could already see in people the potential. And so, anybody who I'm working on, you know, growing not from a not from like this like mad scientist sort of like way, but just from like okay, that that person has. Uh, some potential, so much potential, and there's a line, there's alignment there. Like you'll be able to spot it. Being able to spot that is a skill. Like later yeah. on in life, your kid can develop how to how to seek out positive people to be around and the, and get and figure out those like uh, good indicators. You know, the ambition, the good nature, those sort of things really are gonna are gonna help them. Right, very big thing. So I would say pull them out. I wouldn't hesitate to pull somebody out of a school because legacy is very tough. Meaning that if uh, you, if, let's say you were a jerk for a long time, right? I've had some in high school. I had some behaviors that were that would definitely fall in this category, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, we all have, right? You, you kind of like karma carry it with you. It's very hard because if you're in the relationship and you've been a particular way for a while, and then you try and change. Whenever you start to like lean anywhere in the other direction, people just assume you've fallen back into that character, right? So it's like if I um, have been a particular way for a while with um, maybe some students in class, maybe I was like hard on them earlier on and I, you know, always make them do a workout to failure as like punishment. Let's say that's a behavior, okay? And then later on, I noticed, like, I stopped that, but then in the month later, I have the same group of students, and I noticed that they are, like, you know, messing around or not paying attention. I'm like, hey, you guys, let's get back to work. The first thing they're going to think is, 
oh, let's, you know, straighten up or he's going to ask us to do this drudgery of a workout mm -hmm. as punishment. Even though my intention is, no, I'm done doing that. I don't think it's actually going to help anybody. But it doesn't matter because I, you're going to carry that with. And that's why I think it's very important that this, these behaviors be, be snuffed out and fostered when you're younger and you're in your middle school, high school, as early as possible behaviorally, because later on in life, you're going to carry it with you. And then it's going to be harder to, 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 you know, sort of just deal with that karma later on. Right. Yep. It's, it's tough. So I would say, you know, to, to sort of give to re, to rehash those tips is that it's like, you have to have a growth mindset. You have to have a growth mindset towards others. Colin, I saw you the first time. <laughs> All right. You have to have a growth mindset. You have to have a growth mindset towards others and yourself. You have to have a um, an area of focus that you're trying to improve on. You want to not tolerate behaviors that you don't think are helping you or helping the group. You want to build other people up. You want to feel heard when you're not when you're not when you don't feel heard. And then you want to select for a diverse group of people who have the mindset that you're that you're aspiring for, and you're going to contribute contribute towards. If you have that, you're going to be invincible, and you're going to be happy, and you're going to be much better off than if you were just sort of casually um, waiting for these things to happen happen onto you. Um, and that's the type of culture that I want to build, and I want to and I want to create. And I think that that helps people to know that those are you know, our intentions. And if you're with a group of friends, tell them that that's your intention yep. and see how the response is because the, they'll take things feedback much better and then they'll focus on you too because they may just may never have, have thought of it. Yep. Um, I, I think it's worth saying too, it's like happiness is the goal yep. of every group. So that should be your guys' priority. And everything you do should be to make everybody else as happy as possible in that group. Mm -hmm. um, my final words, I just want to say there are two books that I want to recommend to people that are listening that are completely unrelated to the athletic world. Um, so if you're feeling like you want something um, different, they are uh, Quiet by Susan Cain. Um, and that's about navigating. It's mostly about introverts, but I feel like a lot of the times in your core group, you had mentioned earlier, like a lot of those people that, that don't step up and say hey that I, that wasn't cool with me the ones that just take it in silence are introverts and statistically that's half the population right so you have an introvert in your friend circle and they may just be acting like an extrovert because they feel awkward that to me is not authentic and not cool so being married to an introvert <laughs> um quiet is a fantastic book that's just like hey like introverts just have different superpowers and if you have one in your group you have a superhero in your group and that you just need to leverage them differently mm -hmm. and you need to appreciate them differently. Second book is Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. And that one's all about like the best way for you to be the best self is actually to be the most open with other people. If you're not vulnerable to, to like, these are my faults and these are my strengths and your core group can't see that, they can't give you feedback for you to grow based on that, right? If you're always like, you always have your armor up, this is why it's important to be with a positive group too. If you always have your armor up, nobody actually sees what you look like. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, you can't make changes of that. So those two books, fantastic books. Um, I have to reread them like I swear every year because I forget things and I, I do something and I'm like, 
oh, I know better. I know better. <laughs> so then I go back and reread the book. So yeah. Quiet by Susan Cain, Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. Two awesome books um, to help you kind of foster a really great friend group and training group and just be happier in general, mm-hmm. which matters. Pursue, that's the, that's pursue the that, goal. Pursue that happiness. And yeah, there's no negative people, okay? These are just... Everybody's a work in progress, all right? Yeah. So so don't get done with this and be like, I'm the negative one. Awesome. <laughs> you have such low-hanging fruit to improve on. You're Everyone's going to love you tomorrow. <laughs> it's way harder to improve somebody else. It's way easier to right. improve yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Hope you got a lot of feedback from this one, and we will catch you next time. Also, none of this applies. We'll play video games. <laughs> oh. <laughs>